0: Alhamdulillah Rabbil alamin was salatu was salamu ala ashraf al anbiya wal mursaleen nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in amma ba'd So this evening we proceed to a new subtopic within the subject of uh, what is knowledge who are the scholars and how are they known we've looked already at what knowledge of the religion means and where it comes from, what its sources are. And we've looked at the fact that this knowledge is the first distinction that identifies a scholar uh, from whom we take and learn our religion. Now we look at a related quality of the scholar and that is that the scholar, the true genuine scholar is someone who himself has taken knowledge from other scholars. This means he doesn't just have book knowledge or book learning. Rather, his knowledge is verified and corrected and checked because he's interacted and learnt from people, his teachers, the scholars before him. True knowledge is passed on from generation to generation via the reliable and trustworthy scholars. And this tradition or this chain of learning goes through, back through the generations to the time of the Salaf, the pious predecessors, and ultimately back to the Prophet ﷺ, as the sahaba, the companions who passed The religion to us They took from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam And they learned from him Directly and then they passed it on Passed on the knowledge and the religion To those who were after them The tabi'een, the successors And so on through the generations Of scholars And uh, Trustworthy Narrators and scholars And They passed the religion down, and they taught their students, and their students learnt from their teachers and their sheikhs, and also followed their example and learnt from them, as well as knowledge learnt from them, morals and manners and characteristics that should be or that are taken from Islam, that are based upon the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. So true knowledge is passed from generation to generation by the reliable and knowledgeable scholars. And there are a number of texts in the Quran and in the Sunnah which bear witness to this or which establish this point. From those texts is the hadith in Al-Bukhari in which the Prophet wasallam told us that knowledge uh, is present as long as the scholars are present, and if the scholars go, then knowledge goes with them. So the Prophet ﷺ said, "Inna Allaha <laughs> la yakbudul 'ilm antiza'an yintaz'ahu min al-ibad." Walakin Yakbidul Ilma be Kabdil Ulama Hata either Lam Yubkia Liman, it Tacha than Nasurus and Juhala Fasuilu for Aftau Ilm for wa or Which means the Prophet Sallallahu Ali was Sallam said Verily Allah does not take away knowledge by snatching it from the servants, from their hearts. But he takes away knowledge or he seizes knowledge by taking the ulama, meaning causing them to die. Until when he leaves no scholar, people will take ignorant people as their leaders or their heads and those ignorant people will be asked and they will give verdicts and answers without knowledge and thus they will go astray themselves and lead others astray so there are many lessons in this hadith from amongst which are the fact that scholars are the are the channel by which knowledge of the religion is preserved and is passed down. And this is why the Prophet sallallahu told us in this hadith, that knowledge is taken away by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by taking the scholars. And also, as has been discussed and as will be discussed even more, is the very important point about the danger Of taking one's uh, knowledge and taking leadership or taking as leaders those who are ignorant of the religion and that this in terms of giving answers and fatawa verdicts and trying to direct the people this is a cause for people to go astray and to be deviated and that is that they listen to ignorant people about uh, about matters of the religion So the point is, this hadith is one of those texts which show us that knowledge is carried and is passed on by the ulama, by the scholars. Likewise, in another hadith, and this hadith is reported by a number of uh, collectors of hadith like al Jurri in his book on Aqeedah al-Shari'ah and uh, by other scholars in their collections of hadith in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, Yahmilu hadal in minculli khalafin, rudulu. Yahmilu hadal in minculli khalafin, rudulu. Yanfuna anhu tahrif al Jahilin, wantihal al Mubitilin, wa ta'wil al Raleen. In this hadith, The meaning of the hadith is that the Prophet said, This knowledge will be carried in every subsequent generation or every subsequent group of people by its trustworthy and upright uh, ones. And they will negate from this knowledge, they will negate. The distortion of the ignorant And the false claims of those who spread falsehood Or who argue for falsehood And the false interpretations of the extremists So here in this hadith The Prophet ﷺ has told us that this knowledge Meaning knowledge of the religion The knowledge that the Prophet ﷺ came with this knowledge would be carried in every generation, one after another, khalaf, means the people who come after their predecessors, one generation after another. He said that this knowledge would be carried but in every generation, in every subsequent generation, by those who took it, who inherit it from the previous generation, and that their quality is that they are udul, They are upright, righteous, and reliable. They are trustworthy. And then he also describes in this hadith the job and the duty that these scholars who carry this knowledge, what what role they fulfill and what important work they do. And so he mentions that these people, these trustworthy, upright people who carry this knowledge and who take it from those who went before them, they perform the very important and essential duties of negating and refuting from this knowledge the Tahrif al Jahilin. Tahrif al Jahilin. Those Tahrif uh, means to, mis, uh, to misrepresent and to cause to change, to distort, and so one of the duties of these trustworthy carriers of knowledge is that they would negate from this knowledge the distortions of the ignorant, of those who don't have proper knowledge and then go about misinterpreting, misrepresenting and distorting the knowledge because of their ignorance. Not only that, but these trustworthy scholars will also refute or negate from this knowledge intihāl al-mubatilīn. intihāl al-mubatilīn means basically the false claims that are made by those who want to argue for something false like the people of bida the people of innovation the people of heresy who tried to claim something to be correct by trying to use some of this knowledge use some of what is in the quran and in the sunnah to justify their false beliefs or their false statements and their false claims then this intihal this type of hijacking of the knowledge would be refuted by these trustworthy carriers of knowledge. And not only that, but the Prophet ﷺ told us also that these trustworthy carriers of knowledge in every generation, they will also refute al الغالين the interpretations or the false interpretations of the extremists. And the extremists here means anyone who goes beyond the bounds of what the Prophet ﷺ came with. Anyone who goes beyond the bounds of the sharia, of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed, and of the rules and regulations and laws that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has uh, revealed to us. So anyone who goes into extremes, then they try to justify or they try to establish this extreme position based upon some ta'wil, based upon some wrong interpretation. Like the Khawarij, the original original extremist group, this sect emerged uh, you know in the latter days of the Sahaba and they had an extreme uh, interpretation of the Quran and they therefore started to become violent against the Muslims and against the rulers of the Muslims. In fact, their extremism led to you know, the, them fighting against the Sahaba, assassinating Ali ta'ala anhu, and causing fitna trials and tribulations and killing and violence amongst the Muslims. And this was down to their being people who did not take from their scholars and did not take from those, and they they did not understand the Quran and the Sunnah properly. And they used to take their own interpretations and this led them to an extreme position about some matters of the religion. And it led to them becoming violent and extreme against the Muslims and the rulers of the Muslims. So the Prophet Sallallahu told us that the, these trustworthy carriers of knowledge will uh, perform these immense and important works of defending the religion as well as carrying the religion. Carrying the religion, the knowledge from the time of the Prophet, وسلم, through the generations, one generation after another, preserving Islam and the knowledge of Islam by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's permission, and also defending the religion against false interpretation, against corruption of the beliefs and the rules and regulations of the religion, corruption caused by ignorance and bid'ah innovation and heresy and extremism in any form that it comes in. So this again is one of those texts which show that knowledge is carried by people. This is the point, or this is the reason why we're mentioning this hadith here. This hadith, along with the previous one, it shows that knowledge is carried by the people of knowledge, and the correct way that this knowledge is passed on, and understood and defended, is through the people of knowledge passing it on, teaching it and defending it. So once we've understood this, we go back to the issue of how to recognize the scholar. And you remember that one of the things that was mentioned about the true scholar is that as well as being very knowledgeable about Islam, he is someone who has taken this knowledge from the people of knowledge. And now you can begin to see why. And now we begin to see why. Because the correct understanding of Islam and the correct understanding of the knowledge of Islam is linked to the scholars of Islam passing this knowledge on and teaching it and defending it. And so, naturally, if a person is to become a true and bona fide scholar then he must have taken this knowledge from its people because they are the carriers they are the ones who transmit and pass on and not only transmit but also defend and teach this knowledge and give the correct understanding the Prophet sallallahu mentioned those qualities of the scholars or those who are the trustworthy ones who pass this knowledge on not only that they carry the knowledge but they teach it and defend it and they clear it from false interpretations and extremism and so on. So naturally, a good, genuine scholar is someone who takes this knowledge from its people because they are the ones who carry it. They are the ones who teach it. They are the ones who understand it. And so this became, this uh, this. Uh, can be understood to be one of the signs of a scholar by which a scholar is known. And this is why when we mentioned the fatwa, we mentioned the ruling and the answer provided by al al-Imam Abdul Aziz ibn Baz, rahimahullah ta'ala, when he was asked to define who is a scholar, one of the things that he mentioned after mentioning the good thorough knowledge that this scholar has of the Quran and Sunnah and the meanings of the Quran and the Sunnah, he mentioned he, that the scholar is someone who has taken, who has studied with the scholars. He has studied at the hands of the scholars, and that this knowledge and this studying is something which is uh, verified. It's proven that he's done it. It's not just a claim, but it's something that he has actually done. So taking knowledge from the scholars is a sign of a scholar himself. And this has been mentioned by the scholars in the past when they speak and they write about scholarship and they write about usul, They write about the fundamentals of understanding the rules and regulations of Islam. Even in terms of aqeedah, when they talk about issues of aqeedah, of the beliefs and the creed of the Muslim. They mention these issues of taking knowledge from the people of knowledge. Imam al shatibi one of the well-known scholars of Usul, one of the well-known scholars of the fundamentals and principles of understanding the Quran and the Sunnah. He says, one of the signs Of a person who has true knowledge Who who is truly established in knowledge One of the signs of a scholar Who has sure or established knowledge Is that he is one of those people Who the shuyukh, the teachers the, The knowledgeable, the scholars before him Have educated in that knowledge Because he has taken it from them And because he has stuck to them And this, he goes on to say, was the way of the Salafus Salih. This was the way of the pious predecessors. The first of them and the first example of this is how the Sahaba, how the companions, stuck to the Prophet ﷺ. They made mulazama. Mulazama means to stay with someone, to accompany them, to listen to them continuously and for extended period of time. ...so that you can learn everything from them and you can take their example. So the first example of taking knowledge from its people... ...is the Sahaba making mulazama... ...adhering and staying with the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam... ...and taking from Him. Such that they reached a level of knowledge... ...the Sahaba reached a level of knowledge... ...where they understood what the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was saying, what he was conveying from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, and they knew for sure that it was the truth from Allah, and they understood fully that in what the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam came with was complete hikmah, complete wisdom and knowledge. ash shatibi continues saying, and upon this way, Those who came after them, followed. So the tabi'oon, the successors, the generation who came during the time of the Sahaba and after them, who took from the Sahaba, the successors, the tabi'oon, they stuck to the same pattern with the Sahaba, as the Sahaba did with the Prophet ﷺ, until the tabi'un, the successors They understood The religion And they reached the pinnacles Of knowledge In the sciences In the fields Of knowledge of the religion Of Islam, of al-shari'a And then al-shatibi goes on To mention Something that supports this rule This qa'idah This rule meaning the rule that a person uh, for him to be known and for him to be understood to be a scholar who, know, who has proper established knowledge then the sign of this is that he has taken the knowledge from his shuyukh, from his teachers and because he has been educated by them and he has been cultivated by them a Shatibi says one thing that supports this aida that supports this rule, he says, La Tejidu Ali Manish tahara fin nasi al Achdu anhu Illa Walahu Kudwa Washtaharafi Karnihi be mitliq. He says you do, you never find an alim, you never find a scholar who has become well known amongst people that they take from him. He's become well known. It's known that he's a scholar. He's become famous for it. And all of the people know that he is one of the scholars that knowledge is taken from and that fatwa is taken from. You never find a scholar like this except that he has an example who preceded him and who was known in his time to be like this and so he follows from his teacher so you never find a scholar who's famous a very well known famous scholar who's known by people for his knowledge and for his ability to teach and to you know, uh, to, to, to teach the religion and to give verdicts about the religion except that you will find that he has an example before him, he has a teacher he has scholars before him who he took from and followed their example. And they were similar to this. They were known for their knowledge amongst people. And then he goes on to say, وُجِدَتْ فِرْقَةٌ زَائِغَةٌ وَلَا أَحَدٌ مُخَالِفٌ لِلسُّنَّةٌ إِلَّا وَهُوَ He says, and rarely will you find anyone, uh, rarely will you find a deviated sect or an individual who contradicts the Sunnah, who goes away and, 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 and is astray from the path of the Sunnah, except that that sect or that individual is different from what we have just described meaning he goes off on his own and he doesn't have teachers he doesn't have shuyukh he doesn't have scholars who preceded him who he took from who themselves were known for knowledge and known for being able to teach and defend Islam so this is the flip side is that on the one hand when you look at the famous scholars who are known to be famous scholars you always find that they had teachers and they had examples that they followed and that they learnt from and those were also known in their time for the same and on the flip side rarely do you find a deviated sect, some new sect or some firqa, some sect or some Uh, Group that deviates from the truth Or an individual Who deviates from the sunnah Who who goes against the sunnah Except that you will find That this sect Or this group Or this individual Who has deviated You will find that they are different From uh, what has just been described About taking from scholars And taking from uh, examples before them in fact mo- most of the time uh, in fact most of the time these types of deviations that arise these sects or these individuals what they are known for is the opposite what they are known for is that they have gone off and they've gone away from their teachers, they've gone away from their scholars and they've you know uh, Um, gone off on their own or started something uh, novel on their own without referencing back and without checking their knowledge and checking what they have to say with their teachers, their scholars and we'll come on to see that this also applies in behaviour as well as taking knowledge, this also applies in behaviour in terms of the uh, way a person behaves and conducts himself So ash mentions this qa'idah, this rule And then he says So if it is established That knowledge must be taken from its people Then there are two ways to do this There are two ways of taking knowledge from its people And he goes on to mention The first is Al-Mushafaha Directly in person taking knowledge from them and this is the best and most beneficial way and he goes on to explain and the second way that he mentions and this of course applied during his time uh, the second way was uh, that he mentioned is to take from books is to take from the books of knowledge Uh, and this also he mentions can be of benefit but with a couple of conditions with a couple of caveats and then he goes on to detail this and mention that in terms of taking directly from the scholars by way in person this is best and this is the safest method because the teacher in this way can teach and clarify what is difficult for the student for the person who's learning he can clarify to him he can correct the mistakes and a person who's learning the learner can understand what he would not understand without the teaching of that scholar and likewise the learner learns the etiquette the conduct connected with that knowledge. There is a way to conduct yourself if you want to speak about Islam, if you want to put into practice a a certain piece of knowledge, if you want to call to Islam, if you want to give da'wah, if you want to know how to defend Islam, if you want to know how to deal with deviation or mistakes. There is a way, there is a conduct for all of these things. There is a correct way and there is a way that you can do You could do it wrong and you can do it in a bad way. And so one of the great benefits or a couple of the the great benefits and and reasons why the safest and the best manner of taking knowledge from the scholars is to take directly in person from them. Is one that a person's knowledge can be corrected and he can get correct understanding of the knowledge. because the teacher will help him to understand properly what the knowledge, the knowledge that he's studying and the knowledge that he's uh, trying to understand and trying to uh, you know, get a grip on and the second thing is that he learns the correct way to deal with that knowledge the correct way to implement it he, he learns the adab or the etiquette and conduct related to that knowledge and for this reason ash mentions that the early Salaf, the mutaqaddimun, the early Salaf uh, would not write down knowledge except occasionally or they wouldn't often write down knowledge. They wouldn't write it down in books. And from amongst them were some who used to dislike writing. And one of the reasons for this, and this, this, is a, you know, this is a longer discussion about why some of the Salaf used to uh, not like writing of books uh, and the real ruling on that, how they settled to understand that the books and the writing of knowledge was a great benefit later. And so they, scholars, the scholars supported this idea and they continued this idea. They were not averse to it, but initially in the early stages The early times of the Salaf, there were, for a number of reasons, some amongst the scholars of the Salaf who used to dislike the writing of knowledge. One of them, one of the reasons is this, because they didn't like the idea that people would rely upon books instead of taking knowledge from its people. And if that was to happen, then, uh, you know, you'd get all kinds of misunderstandings and you'd get all kinds of people entering into knowledge who do not deserve to be called people of knowledge and you'd get, you know, mistakes and chaos happening and this was the fear of some of the Salaf in terms of just having things in books anyway, the point is that this is one of the reasons that some of them uh, that they didn't used to write often they didn't depend on writing they didn't depend on books they would learn knowledge from person to person now, of course, this the, 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 the ability to do so and the uh, um, you know the benefits of writing and all that, this, this changed subsequently, as Islam spread and as um, uh, more people from the non-Arabs came into Islam and uh, the scholars, the concentration of scholars became less and less uh, throughout the lands. Uh, then of course, then the greater benefit came about. In the recording of knowledge in books and passing that on as well. And of course, the great scholars, all of them, they agreed to this and they practiced it. Okay? But the point we want to understand here is that there, there is this concern that was present from the earliest times that a person who doesn't who relies on writing, who relies on books, and doesn't take knowledge. From its people and doesn't learn those books and study those books, study what is written at the hands of the people of knowledge, at the hands of qualified teachers, then this was a cause of concern from the earliest times and in fact they were more strict about it than ever. And we'll come on to see some examples of their uh, statements in this regard. So the point is that the, the, the rule and the, the, the best and safest way to take knowledge from the people of knowledge knowledge has to be taken from its people anyway whatever the case but the best way to take knowledge from the people of knowledge is to take it directly from them in person studying with them in person. And the other way that was mentioned by these scholars like Ash-Shatibi which is discussed by the, the ulama, is through books through the written knowledge. And this has a number of considerations. And also, this is of course not the only way, which is uh, uh, to take knowledge from people. It's, it's, it no longer remains the case that books are the only other alternative. That used to be the case in the time that people like Ashatibi shatibi and those who were before him, you know... Uh, In in their days, there was only writing, there was only books, there was no audio, visual recording, uh, no cassettes, no recordings, no digital recordings, and there was no internet or anything like this, of course. So the same uh, discussion has repeated itself or has been uh, discussed and mentioned by scholars once recording of the voice uh, became available to people. And again, the discussion continues amongst the scholars uh, since the advent of electronic communication uh, and immediate communication through the Internet, the World Wide Web, through networks, through social networks, and so on, email and, and all these kind of things. Electronic communication is now also available, as well as before it, the recordings, the audio recordings of the speech of the scholars and the speech of people, being able to preserve what somebody said and listen to it later or at a great distance. Electronic communications and networks have enabled all of these things to happen. So it is no longer the case that books are the only other alternative to, uh, to taking knowledge uh, the, uh, as an alternative to taking directly in person from a scholar, from a teacher. But the same rules apply. And the scholars have discussed this and in the subsequent uh, next few classes, we're going to look at what the scholars have said with regards to these different media, these different ways of taking knowledge and the pitfalls, the dangers connected with each of them when it comes to scholarship. When it comes to scholarship, and we must be clear about this, when we're talking about the fact that scholar, that, that um, knowledge must be taken and it should essentially be taken directly in person from scholars, we are talking from the type of, we're talking about the type of person who himself is going to become a scholar. Who himself is going to become a leader Who himself is going to be at the head of the gatherings And at the head of da'wah Calling to Allah Or giving fatwa And so so on And there is a difference between a person who is Being, you know, is being uh, Or is moving in that direction And a person who simply wants to learn their religion and a person who simply simply wants to learn their religion. So this issue about taking knowledge from the scholars, uh, whether it can be done directly, or whether it can be done through books, or through the internet, through recordings, through uh, electronic communications, and so on, each of these has its pros and cons, and uh, each of these have their benefits for a person who wants to learn their religion. And for some people, they have some of the options available to them. And for some people in certain times and places, they don't have all the options available to them. For example, there are people who don't have access to go and be with a scholar or they don't have any scholars in their countries and so on. And this is the case for many people around the world because of the rarity, the relative uh, few numbers of scholars uh, in, in modern times, in current times and because of the distance that many Muslim societies and many Muslims have from knowledge and its people in general, and the general disregard that they have for knowledge and for the scholarship. For those reasons, there are many people who don't have access to scholars, but they simply want to learn their religion. And of course, for those people, the benefit is there in books in the in in the in the right books in the correct books and in electronic communications and electronic recording of voice uh, a person is able to listen to scholars and able to hear from scholars and what they teach and how they teach he is able to do so through books both traditional paper books electronic books electronic writing through recording and through direct even live communication um but because of networks and electronic communication, which is real-time. All of this has enabled a person to connect with scholars and connect with those who are qualified in a way which was not available previously, which was not available in previous times. And this is a great blessing. This is a great blessing because it has enabled people to learn who otherwise may be isolated from knowledge. It has enabled people to, uh, to listen to the scholars... ...even if scholars are not present in their countries. Okay? So the, these things are, uh, of a, are a great blessing. But they also carry some risks and some problems... ...when it comes to becoming a scholar oneself. Oneself becoming a scholar or, or, or being pushed... ...and being taken as a sheikh, as a scholar himself if he has not studied with the scholars this is where things begin to get problematic so this is what we're talking about we're talking about the idea of a person who is supposed to be taken as a scholar that type of person who wants that level of knowledge and that detail and those responsibilities linked to the scholar who issues fatawah, who gives verdicts, who answers questions. A person who decides on matters of how to call to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how to implement da'wah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A person who, wants, who is supposed to instruct or guide others. A person who is taken as a scholar, then this person... It is even more important for him that this person is, a, is someone who studies with the scholars and he, is, and he does not isolate himself and does not separate himself from the scholars. Rather, he has, he has to be someone who studies with the scholars. And we'll come on to see all of these details a bit more when we consider what the scholars have said themselves in response to the questions and the issues of taking knowledge from books as opposed to taking knowledge directly from the scholars, uh, taking from you know, recordings and the internet and so on, as opposed to directly in person studying with scholars. And the differences, uh, the different uh, in guidance that is available from scholars on these issues, depending, all taking into account the type of person and the condition of the person, uh, be in question whether that person is, is, is understood to be a scholar or not whether that person can benefit for his or her own study of the religion whether that person has the opportunity has the uh, ability to travel to study with the scholars or doesn't have that ability all of these factors they they contribute to the ruling and the issue of whether that person should take knowledge uh, you know, from the scholars directly or whether it's enough or whether it suffices to take knowledge from books by reading books and what kind of books as well and also uh, you know, ele- electronic means. And The general distinction is that a person doesn't become a scholar a person is not taken as a scholar and he, and, he, and he can't really be trusted as a scholar if he doesn't himself take from scholars his scholarship cannot be trusted there's a risk as for a person who just wants to learn the fundamentals of their religion they learn they want to learn the basics then these tools are available to us and they are they should be benefited from and this in these two broad categories Uh, is how the statements of the scholars of this time, of our modern times uh, the statements and their guidance and their instructions in this regard they fall into these two general categories they differentiate between a person being taken as a scholar himself and between the the person who just wants to learn the fundamentals, the basics of their religion to be able to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to be able to live and conduct themselves as a Muslim so this distinction is made by the scholars in their speech when they speak about the issue of, a, uh, of should we take knowledge from books or tapes and recordings and so on and is it something that should be done or shouldn't be done because the Salaf, they had this concept they had this idea that scholars, uh, that knowledge is taken from the people of knowledge and that we shouldn't take knowledge from someone who has just learnt from books And of course, books were the only thing available in their time. There were no other means of, you know, like uh, direct and uh, real-time communication or recording of the voice and so on. And in this regard, there are a number of statements by the Salaf. And we will mention some of them and then move on uh, in the next class to look at some of these details about what the scholars have said and when this can be done and when this shouldn't be done. So al-Imam al-Awza'i rahimahullah he said something really important and quite profound Al-Imam al-Awza'i is one of the great scholars died in the year 157 of the Hijra from the scholars of the Salaf al-Imam he said <laughs> فَلَمَّا صَارَ فِي الْكُتُبِ ذَهَبَ نُورُهُ وَصَارَ إِلَىٰ غَيْرِ أَهْلِهِ He said this knowledge used to be something noble when it was taken from the mouths of men when it was taken directly from the lips of men who received it and who acquired it from each other and who revised it and studied it with each other then when it, when it moved to the books, its light went out and it started to go to those who don't deserve it. This knowledge used to be something noble, used to be sharif. When it was taken from the lips of men and it was ta- received from them and studied and revised amongst them when it went into the books its, its light went away its nur, the nur the light of this knowledge went out and wasara and it started to go to those who are not its true people people who don't really know and, and deserve because they don't know how to deal with this knowledge likewise from Imam Malik one of the students, one of the companions of Imam Malik, says, Anas? ya Aba He says, "I was once seeing off Malik ibn Anas, meaning Imam Malik, rahimahullah taala, one of the great four great Imams, and the Imam." of fiqh and knowledge in Al-Madinah in his time. He said, I was once uh, leaving Malik ibn Anas or dropping him off or uh, you know, saying farewell to him, saying goodbye to him. And as you know, it is from the Sunnah and it is from the tradition of the Salaf that if they were, if they were in the company of someone of knowledge and virtue, someone who's intelligent, someone who's wise, someone who's beneficial, then they would, you know, when departing from them or when leaving them or when having a chance to see them after having a chance to meet them, they would ask them for advice. They would ask them for instructions. They wouldn't wait for somebody to advise them or instruct them, they would ask other people for advice and they would ask them for instructions. So this person says, this companion of Imam Malik says, Malik ibn Anas, I once was seeing off, or saying goodbye to Malik ibn Anas. So I said to him, "Alwasi'ni, ya Abu Abdullah." I said, "Advise me, instruct me." Al al-wasiya is more than just advice. Instruct me, O oh Abu Abdullah. So he said, "Taqwa Allah." He said, "Fear Allah." Have taqwa of Allah. Meaning, fear him, obey him, listen to what he says and put into practice what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us. Have taqwa of Allah. وطلب العلم من عند أهله And seek knowledge from its people. And seek knowledge from its people. This is reported from Imam Malik in Dhammul Kalam of Al-Harawi. And another great scholar from the scholars of the tabi'in Sulaiman ibn Musa rahimahullah who died in the year 119 after the hijra he said rahimahullah la taqra'u al-qur'ana 'ala al-musahafin aw al-musahafin wa la ta'khudhu al-ilma min al Musa Sulaiman ibn Musa rahimahullah ta'ala died 119 said do not read the Quran to a musahifin or musahifi and do not take knowledge from a Sahafi. which means when you're going to when you're studying Quran when you're studying to read the Quran do not read the Quran on someone a teacher who is a musahifi or musahifi which either means somebody who has only learned the Quran from reading it from the mushaf and has not himself studied it with a teacher, so he doesn't know how to recite it properly, and he makes mistakes. Because he has only learnt to read the Qur'an from the Mus'haf, and he has not studied with a teacher, he may make mistakes in reciting the Qur'an. If this is the, if this is the condition of a person, then you don't yourself learn Qur'an from him, because you, you're going to end up making those mistakes. And he said, وَلَا تَأْخُذُوا الْعِلْمَ مِنَ الصحفيين. And do not take knowledge from the Sahafiyyen. صح- who are the Sahafiyyen? The Sahafiyyen are those who take their knowledge on- themselves only from books, from the pages. As-suhf, الصح- pages, books. Knowledge was written on- in suhf, in-, in pages of, of-, of writing. So you don't take knowledge from someone who himself has only taken his knowledge from reading. Likewise, amongst the Imams of the Salaf, Imam Thawr ibn Yazid, who died in the year 153, he said, Those who have taken their knowledge from papers, those who have taken their knowledge from, from writing, are not to give fatwa. They shouldn't be answering questions and giving verdicts. Likewise, Al Imam Abu Zura, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, Abu Zura al Razi, he said, La Yuftin Nasa Sahafiyun, Wala Yukri'uhum Mushafi. La Yuftin Nasa صحفي Wala Yukri'uhum Mushafi. Someone who is a Sahafi, someone who's taken his knowledge from paper, someone who's taken his knowledge from writing and reading, is not to give verdicts, is not to give fatwa to the people. And someone who has only taken his Qur'an from the Mus'haf is not supposed to teach people how to recite or teach people how to read the Qur'an. Again, Someone who has taken his knowledge from writing, from paper, is not to give fatwa to the people. And someone who has taken his Qur'an from reading the Mus'haf only, is not supposed to teach other people to read the Qur'an. Why? Because of the mistakes, because of the errors in each. And it is reported from Al Imam al-Shafi'i, rahimahullah ta'ala, that he said, مَنْ تَفَقَّهَ مِنْ بُطُونِ الْكُتُبِ ضَيَّعَ الْأَحْكَامِ Whoever seeks fiqh, understanding of the religion, from the bellies of the books, from inside the books only, then he will waste or he will lose and, and, and he will stray from the ahkam, from the rules and regulations of Islam. He will, uh, yani he will not understand them, he will not, he will, he, they will be lost on him. مَنْ min al kutub dayya al whoever seeks fiqh whoever seeks understanding deep and proper understanding of the religion from from within the books only then he will then the ahkam then the rules and regulations that he's trying to learn will be lost on him or he will deviate and stray from them because he's going to make mistakes when he reads he doesn't he doesn't have a teacher to guide him he doesn't have a teacher to correct him the son of al-Imam Ahmad, Abdullah ibn Imam Ahmad rahimahumullah. He once asked his father, as is recorded from him, in the Masail of Ahmed, by, uh, narrated by his son, Abdullah, famous collection of, the, uh, of questions and issues narrated from al-Imam Ahmad by his son, Abdullah, uh, rahimahumullah. He said that he once asked his father... إمام أحمد يسد سألت أبي عن الرجل تكون له الكتب المصنفة فيها قول رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم واخدلاف الصحابة والتابعين وليس للرجل بصر بالحديث الضعيف المتروك منها فيفتي به ويعمل به قال لا يعمل حتى يسأل ما يؤخذ به منها Abdullah, Imam Ahmad's son, asked his father, he said, I once asked my father about the case or a situation if a man has some books, he has some compiled books. In those books, we have hadith of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa and we have a mention of the differing positions of the Sahaba and the Tabi'een. And this person, he doesn't have insight into what a Hadith, a weak Hadith, a Hadith which is abandoned is. So is, is this person allowed to give verdicts based upon his book? And is he allowed to act upon what is in this book? So Imam Ahmad said to him, "La, he does not act upon what is there until he asks... What should he take from this book? What shouldn't he take? So that he can act based upon something which is correct and authentic And he asks the people of knowledge about this Meaning if a person has books And he, he has books which have the references And have lots of information in them Hadith of the Prophet wasallam, Statements of the Sahaba and the Tabi'een The scholars and uh, you know um, but the person doesn't know how to distinguish between that which is authentic that which is not authentic he doesn't know how to look into this is he allowed to just take from the book and give a fatwa from the book and is he allowed to act according to what is in this book for his religious for his own religious purposes Imam Ahmed says you don't act upon this you don't you don't go by this until a per, until such a person asks what should he take what shouldn't he take so that when he acts he acts based upon correct knowledge he acts upon based upon something which is correct sahih valid and for this purpose he asks the people of knowledge yes al and ilm so anyway we have these statements from uh the Salaf and from the Imams of the past which go to show that, that a person who has taken his knowledge only from books and only from writing and has not taken his knowledge from the people of knowledge then this person is not taken as a scholar the rule is that this person is not taken as a scholar as a leader as a teacher in the religion in terms of giving fatwa in terms of you know, uh, being able to uh, you know, take, the, take on the duties of a scholar and in the next class, we're out of time now but we will continue, we will mention some of the statements of the contemporary scholars in this regard a sheik Abdul Aziz Ibn Baz sheik uh, Ibn al-Uthaymin a sheik uh, Al-Albani, Rahimahullah, Al-Shaykh Salih, Al-Fawzan, the Imams of Fiqh and Fatwa of this time, we're going to mention what they have said uh, in this regard. Bi-ithni Allahi Ta'ala, wallahu Ta'ala A'lam, wa sallallahu wa sallam ala nabiyyina Muhammad, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in, wa sallamu alaykum wa rahmatullah.